I truly wonder just how many people have grown up in a haunted house or have explored somewhere they thought were haunted. Welcome back to the swamp, my friends. It's good to see you made it back for another episode. Today I'm going to be sharing some creepy and allegedly true haunted house horror stories. I myself grew up in a house that was built in 1802. I even found the graves of the people who made the house behind the barn when I was cleaning it up one day. It always had some really creepy happenings, and maybe I'll share some stories about that in the future. As always, if you have a story that you would like to share, whether it's from a haunted house or something else, please be sure to submit it at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. I'd love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp, as stories like yours help keep this show going on a daily basis. Now, without further ado, let's get into these creepy and allegedly true haunted house horror stories that'll keep you away from that creepy looking house today. I've always wanted to share this story. I've heard many paranormal stories and there's always a little voice of doubt in terms of the storyteller's authenticity. But while these events didn't happen to me, they did happen to someone I was very close with and contain a few elements of corroboration. It's important for me to get a feeling for honesty when listening to a story that defies scientific belief. So, for what it's worth, this is an honest account. First, a little backstory. Miv was a fascinating woman. She was one of my best friends, which is a little odd because I met her when I was about 18 years old and she was in her middle ages. I was a young guy into motorcycles and rock music. I played guitar and was into horror movies and working out. As a contrast, she was short, dumpy, had thin greasy hair, a walking stick, and wore thick bottle rim glasses. She was never without a cigarette in her hand, and her ashtray was always full. However, she was an unbelievable, astute, and wise woman, to the point where she was like a wise old oracle to me and my hippie friends. There was never a personal problem she could not fix with a few gentle words. I would often go to her tall, slightly creepy Victorian terrace house, and we would sit in her favorite room and chat philosophically. The air full of smoke and surrounded by dusty antiques and the odd stuffed bird. Her husband was, by all accounts, a wretched man. His nickname, by all, was The Wizard. Their house was pretty much all wood floors, narrow but tall. He wore an orthopedic shoe, known colloquially as a club foot. You'd hear him coming and clomping down the wood stairs from a mile away. As his nickname suggested, he had long gray hair and a little goatee that resembled a stereotypical devil. He always wore a gray suit and had wild staring eyes. He didn't seem altogether and right in his mind. That was apparent during any conversation you would have with him. I don't mean he was like crazy, more like he was old, significantly older than Miv, and his mind was just a little aged. When he was younger, he also gained a reputation for black magic. One brief account I heard was that there was a black magic circle known for their dark deeds, something like the Golden Dawn or something like that. Well, they wouldn't let him join because he was too dark. Suffice to say, he was probably into summoning things. Anyway, over the years before Miv died, we became very close, and I heard all kind of cool stories. The story I'm about to recount is, I guess, not so cool. At least not for her. But it's an interesting one. 
Years ago, when she and her husband were living in South Wales in the UK, they lived in a similar house to the one that I knew that she lived in. A tall, slightly spooky, aren't they all, Victorian terrace house. These houses were usually three stories, maybe a basement. I've lived in one myself, and they're inherently spooky, which kind of sets the tone. At the time, Miv and the wizard had just had their first child, who would grow up to become one of my best friends about 24 years later. She had also, she had also, not too terribly long ago, come out of a brief stint in a nun's convent, so she was very religious. With that came certain beliefs and attitudes which would soon be very much tested to breaking points. I'm not able to be exact with the timeline here, but Miv told me that she started hearing voices, distant at first, in the house, where no one was around. As if often the case in many of these stories, she shrugged it off and ignored it as best she could, but then the voices started to address her directly. Now at this stage, she recalls being very worried that she was in fact unwell, and her biggest fear was that her son would get taken away from her due to her inability to take care of him. So, she told no one. The voices got worse and eventually would start saying things like, We're going to drive you mad. And she would say things like that, and so forth. If that wasn't enough though, she would soon start to see a dark shadowy figure at the top of the stairs. She told me that it would always appear in such a way that as you turned to look to see if there was something there, you'd almost stumble at the top of these steps and fall to your death. Still, she refused to talk about it. In her mind, and with her religious beliefs, there was no room for ghosts to exist, so it was a subjective phenomenon, and she was indeed losing her marbles. In this house, they had a cleaner. The cleaner would always leave the front door wide open when she was cleaning the stairs in the hall. Miv assumed it was to get fresh air, maybe to help dry the floor. One day, when it was cold, Miv questioned her. Why do you keep that door open? It's so cold. Her response changed Miv's life at this point. She said, It's so if that dark thing at the top of the stairs comes for me, I can get out of here right quickly. Again, bear in mind that Miv had not told anyone about this phenomenon. One day, she had a friend over. The friend was a big, burly, tough woman who stood no nonsense. She didn't believe in any of this supernatural rubbish and was not afraid of ghosts. After sitting in their living room and this lady giving Miv something of telling her off for being so silly and superstitious, the lady got up to go to the bathroom. She came back a moment later, her face white. You okay? said Miv. Can you come with me? replied the lady. Because you don't know where the bathroom is? No, because I'm not going up there on my own with that dark shadow. Another story shared with me was that Miv was bathing her son in the upstairs bathroom when someone knocked on the front door to the house. She yelled down to them, and it turned out to be a friend, so she shouted for him to come up and that she was in the bathroom. She heard him walk up the stairs. He then suddenly broke into a sprint, came running into the bathroom, threw his arms around Miv, and clung to her like a baby terrified of what he had just seen. Eventually, it all came to a head when this entity started to entice her into something more sinister. She recalls hearing the voices beckoning her upstairs to the dark top floor bedroom. The weird thing here, and what's hard to explain, if only because I don't quite understand it, is that she felt compelled to obey. It got her up the stairs. She would stop. She would resist, and it would gently insist that she continues upward. 
and again, she would obey against her will. This happened all the way until she got to the bedroom with the lights out. If I recall correctly, the thing asked her to turn the lights out, and she at first said no, but again it insisted. This is crazy, I know. It eventually got her to lie down on the bed. Laying there in the dark, she then described how this entity began to assert itself onto and into her body. She described it like assault, but through her pores, if that makes any sense. She began an internal struggle at this stage, and in that struggle was able to draw some willpower to call out the name of Jesus or something like that. I forgot whether she said a small prayer, but some form of religious statement, and the thing went away instantly. I'm sure there are many other anecdotes. The other friends in our circle know of these stories too and have probably heard their own tales, so I may be missing a few key pieces. All I know is that they shortly moved out of that house. Now, one thing that does stand out as interesting, after discussing the story with a mutual friend who knew Miv for years before I met her, he told me that she'd also said this to him, but around that time that they left the house for good, she saw the wizard kneeling and burying something, and it was thought that he was doing something. Whatever he was doing, though, resembled a closing ceremony for when someone summons a demon. I know some of this won't make any sense, and I don't really expect it to. Why would you stay married to someone that evil, though? I asked myself that question. In fact, you know something? I asked her that same question at least once. She took a long drag on her cigarette, gave a long, slow shrug as she exhaled, and said something about feeling sorry for him. The whole dynamic will have me scratching my head. Miv was incredibly wise in some ways, and yet nonsensical in other ways, but there seemed to be more to that family story than meets the eye. Eventually, they would have a daughter, who was born physically and mentally disabled. The daughter is only surviving family of the member now. My friend, her son, died of cancer about seven years after I met both him and his mother. The wizard died around that same time, too, and Miv, heartbroken over the death of her son, died just two years after we buried him. She used to say, When I die, I'm going to haunt you, in her usual playful way. Eyes twinkling, taking a drag of a cigarette. She meant to come back and give me a clue about the other side. After attending her son's funeral, I was walking on the waterfront of my hometown. I was thinking about them both, and I felt tearful. I sat on the seawall and spoke to her. I asked her why she didn't come to me to show me any evidence of the other side. I concluded, well, maybe she tried, but I can't see it. Maybe I can only see what I can only see. I stood up to walk away, and something compelled me. I don't know what or why to look down where I was sitting. There, etched into the very slab of concrete I was sitting on, was the first, initial, and the last name of her son, who we had buried two days before. Hey Swamp Dweller, my name is Michael B., and I live in the oldest village in Saskatchewan, before it was Saskatchewan, or before Canada was even a country. We live in the largest delta in Canada, and the second largest in the world. Something that old is obviously going to be haunted, and there's going to be lots of stories about creatures of the night. There are stories of witches, skimwalkers, wetigos, which are basically wendigos. There's been sightings of demons, a man in a trench coat with goat legs, and even the devil himself. 
For now, I want to talk about a story of a haunted house I lived in. It was used for wake ceremonies before we had halls to host them, and right behind the house was the graveyard. I'll start from the first happening. First, let me tell you about the layout of the front and back doors. Let's say you're standing on the street. You have the front door facing the street, obviously, and stairs leading up to it, with the big bay window next to the front door. The back door is on the side of the house facing the street as well, so you can see in both doors from the street. One day, I was home alone doing chores, and when it was time to do my laundry, I had to go downstairs into the basement to do it. The basement was scary by itself, even if it wasn't haunted because of how old it looked. Whenever I did my laundry, I would always feel like I was being chased up the stairs by something. It honestly felt like there was a face right at the back of my neck the entire time, screaming at me, breathing down my neck. On this day, my brother Jay was coming over to visit since I was home alone. I happened to be coming up from the basement, which pops up right at the back door. So, he saw me walking past the door into the living room. When he saw me walk past the storm door, he said he saw someone walking right behind me. When he gets into the house, he asks me who else is here, and I tell him no one. I've been home alone since this morning. He then tells me that he saw someone right behind me, following me from the basement. It gets worse throughout the months, but I'm oblivious to what's happening because I didn't believe in this stuff at the time. The second happening, I get home from drinking at about 4am. I head into my room to sleep, and as I'm about to fall asleep, I swear I hear what sounds like hooves walking on my ceiling or maybe even in the attic. It sounded bipedal for sure, heavy, and it stopped right above me. The last thing that happened before I refused to stay in that house was the worst thing. I was coming home after staying at my cousin's house for a couple of days and seeing that my house was well lit. I assumed someone was home, so I started jogging because it was dark and mosquitoes liked to bite. Remember when I told you there was a big bay window by the front door? Well, the curtains were open, and as I ran up the stairs, I look inside and saw a black mass sitting on my couch looking out to me. I didn't think anything of it, and I thought someone was home. There was a split second from when I see that thing on the couch to when I walked in the house. I walk in and there was no one there whatsoever. I was absolutely creeped out. I started calling out to my mom and walked around the entire house. Nothing. No one was home. I stood in my living room for a second, and that's when it hit me. Who the hell was on my couch? That's when I hear someone walking up the stairs and dread washed over me. I got the hell out of that house and moved out a month later due to unrelated things. Hello, swamp folk. Are you familiar with our longtime sponsor, HelloFresh? Well, if not, HelloFresh is something amazing. With HelloFresh, you get fresh, pre-measured ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. Here in the swamp, I've been using HelloFresh for almost two years now, and I absolutely love it. Fall can be hectic. With the holidays and everything else that's happening, HelloFresh's recipes save time that you would otherwise spend on meal prepping, grocery shopping, and shopping, so you can focus on getting back into a new routine and spending quality time with the family. HelloFresh offers 50 menu and market items to choose from every single week, including vegetarian, calorie smart, and gourmet options, providing plenty of variety for every single person. Fall is for family time. Recipes like meatloaf a la mom and one pot broccoli mac and cheese make weeknights go off with 
without a hitch. I love HelloFresh, like I said. I've been using it for a long time. HelloFresh has helped me save 30% on my groceries over the years. What are you waiting for? You can be saving money too. So go to HelloFresh.com Swamped14 and use code Swamped14 for up to 14 free meals, including free shipping. Again, go to HelloFresh.com Swamped14. Use code Swamped14 for up to 14 free meals, including free shipping. Find out why me and thousands of others in the swamp are using America's number one meal kit. These events happened during my second year at university. It was September. The school year was about to start and I had moved into a high-rise apartment with three other girls, Brittany, Morgan, and Natalie. It didn't take long for some sketchy things to start happening. After two weeks of living in the apartment, Morgan asked me if I was rolling a ball around at night. I told her it wasn't me and that she must have been hearing things. We dropped the subject, but that night I started hearing knocking in the vent above my bed. The vent hung below the ceiling and the opening was perfectly in line where my head would be when I was sleeping. The knocking sound was annoying and it would only happen at odd hours of the night. I always thought it was probably the sound from the air conditioning turning on, but the knocking sounded strange, almost human and rhythmic, like someone trying to get my attention. Still, I didn't think too much of it and didn't think anything was going on. It was just an odd noise that I could live with, so I told myself. About a week later, I woke up to hear what sounded like a marble rolling on the tile floor above me. It was a distinct sound, and I finally believed Morgan but I knew there had to be a logical explanation. There were college boys living in the apartment above us, and I figured they were probably messing around. By November, Natalie, Morgan, and I had been hearing the noises every night, but Brittany claimed she had never heard them. One day, we were making small talk with the building manager, and I mentioned the noises. She said the people who lived in our apartment before heard rolling and knocking sounds as well. She claimed she had electricians come in to fix noises, but I guess it never worked. At this point, we all thought it was funny. We didn't believe in ghosts. Well, I didn't until that night. As we were walking into our apartment, my back was to the living room, and Morgan and Natalie were facing me, so they had a full view of the living room. I jokingly said to them, well, it looks like the apartment is haunted. Natalie looked at me, laughed, and said, ghosts aren't real. As soon as the last word came out of her mouth, I heard the most gut-wrenching, deafening noise I had ever heard up until that point. Crashing, shattering, and scratching noises erupted from behind me. My heart raced and I saw true terror on Natalie and Morgan's face. Their high-pitched screams pierced my ears and, on instinct, I ran. I didn't even look back one time. I just screamed and ran straight out of the apartment with Natalie and Morgan close behind. We didn't stop until we were one floor away from the lobby, and at that point, we were in tears. It may have been an overreaction, but I thought a maniac had broken into our apartment. Natalie explained that after she had spoken, everything in our apartment crashed onto the floor. She didn't see anyone. All she saw was all of our stuff just flying off. The shelves, the counters. After a while, we calmed down and went back upstairs. Inside of our apartment... All of our pictures, appliances, lights, and decorations were on the ground. Our light fixtures were unscrewed and were hanging by the wires. Some of the cabinet drawers had been left open and our Christmas lights were twisted around the sofa. 
We really did try to rationalize what had happened, but we just could not figure it out. We lived in Canada, so there was no earthquake, tremor, or tornado. Brittany had been in the apartment the entire time. When we knocked on the door, she answered and said she had never heard anything happen. I found that very hard to believe. Throughout the year, odd occurrences kept happening. The noises continued. Our lights would turn on and off. Doors would open and close and sometimes at night we would hear someone mumbling in the hallway. My tolerance level for annoying things got low as exam season approached, so I stopped caring about what was happening. The next year, Natalie, Morgan, and I moved into a different apartment within the same building. We didn't experience anything weird after moving out. I can't help but think that Brittany was to blame for some of this. It's hard to explain, but she was a dark person. I wouldn't put it past her to have messed with us for fun. To this day, I still can't decide if it was something paranormal, Brittany messing with us, or just an odd coincidence. Regardless, it was one of the weirdest and scariest experiences of my life. I just hope I never live in a haunted apartment or haunted house ever again. I have an aunt that lives in a haunted house. The house was built in the late 1800s. The house has a weird setup. It is technically two separate identical houses conjoined as one big house. According to my mom, the house was owned by two women that were twins. With each twin living on their own side and each side connecting through a staircase in the attic. Legend has it that the twins had an uncle that did bad things to them. That ended in one of the twins getting pregnant and having a baby. The other twin smothered the baby, ending in both twins committing suicide. Weirdly, almost every family member that has ever had the misfortune of sleeping over at that house has left with a story to tell. To my own dismay, I have on two different occasions experienced something here. The summer after I graduated 8th grade, my older cousin was getting married out of state. Not all of our family from our state could go, so just me and my aunt went. We had a very early flight to catch, so she figured it would be better if I spent the night at her house. I asked if I could sleep in her room. When she asked why, I was direct and told her because the house was haunted. As usual, she shrugged it off and angrily disputed that there were no ghosts, she said. If it will make you feel a little bit better, you can stay in my room. As night drew near, I went to the bathroom, to the medicine cabinet, and took sleep medicine, in hopes it would make me fall asleep before my aunt. Sure enough, it didn't. My aunt dozed off and I lay wide awake and scared. Occasionally, switching my eyes from looking at the TV to glance at the hallway through the open door. A couple of hours passed and nothing happened. I started to let my guard down and relax just a little bit. I got a little more comfortable in the bed and, out of nowhere, the closet doorknob started to frantically rotate as if someone was trying to get out. I immediately sat up, wide awake and in panic mode. The remaining hours of the night I stayed awake in fear watching the closet door, not sure who or what was trying to open it, but to this day, I'm happy it never did. Years later, the summer after I graduated college, I spent the night over at her house again. Like the previous time, we were traveling out of town the next day, and my aunt figured it would be better if I spent the night at her house, so we could catch an early flight the next morning. I unhappily obliged, as we retired for the night. I headed to the room where I would be sleeping. It was the room down the hall from my aunt's. I closed the door, put on my PJs, and sat down on the recliner in front of the TV. 
I had already mentally prepared myself and had expected to stay awake the entire night. The beginning of the night, I browsed the web of my phone to pass some time. A couple of hours passed and nothing was happening. So, as soon as the clock approached 3am, I began to hear what sounded like heeled shoes walking. Whatever it was walked up the stairs down the hall and stopped right outside the room I was in. I immediately jumped up, went to the heavy day bed in the room and pushed it in front of the door to prevent whatever it was from opening the door. The walking continued, again and again. It would start from the base of the stairs and go up the stairs and down the hall, each time stopping right outside the door of the room I was in. Despite barricading the door, closed, I was still scared. To lighten up the tense atmosphere, I turned on a channel that had some stand-up comedy and tried to watch that, but I was still terrified. The walking persisted for about an hour. Eventually it stopped, but I kept the door barricaded, remained awake, and waited until the morning to open the door. I have not been back to sleep over at my aunt's house, and I likely never will. This story takes place 20 years ago in my mom's hometown in the Mexican state of Chihuahua. I was 5 years old, and currently living with my mom in her hometown while my dad worked in the United States. My uncle had recently returned from the U.S. to complete the house he was building for my aunt. My mom volunteered to help my aunt and uncle finish the interior painting. On most days, my mom would bring me along to the house. I would sit in my aunt's bed while my aunt and my mom would paint. My mom had told me of a day when my mom and aunt were painting while my uncle had left to go get some more paint and rollers. Suddenly, they hear the front door slam open and heavy footsteps make their way to the living room. Surprised that my uncle returned so quickly and frantically, my mom called out my uncle's name but got no response. My aunt followed my mom as she went to investigate but found the front door closed and locked and the driveway empty. Months later, my aunt and uncle returned to the United States and allowed my parents and me to stay in their new home. My mother told me that she hated sleeping in that house. One night, my parents and I were fast asleep in the master bedroom when we heard footsteps and dishes breaking in the kitchen. My dad, thinking someone had broken in, immediately gotten up and grabbed his shotgun and went to investigate the noise. Just a few minutes later, he came back to tell us he found nothing. There was no sign of anything broken, no break-in, nothing. While I only remember that occurrence, my mom insists that my parents heard the footsteps every single night. My dad would always get up and investigate only to find nothing at all. I personally don't remember feeling anything out of the ordinary in the home. However, I was just a child. I do remember that the son of my uncle's friend, who was around my age, would always emphatically refuse to enter the house though. Thanks for listening to these creepy and allegedly true haunted house horror stories. If you enjoyed these stories, please be sure to hit that like button as it helps me out a ton. The more likes this episode gets, the more YouTube promotes it to fresh new eyes, and it's incredibly helpful. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcast or another podcast platform, please be sure to give this a 5-star rating as it helps us grow over there. If you're new to the swamp, why not join us and help us expand our ever-growing waters? Hit the subscribe button and turn on notifications to never miss a new episode, as I upload them nearly every single day and all things natural and supernatural. 
If you have a story that you would like to share in a future episode, be sure to submit it at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. I'd love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp. It's stories like yours that truly help keep this show going on a daily basis. If you're on the go but don't have YouTube Premium but still want to listen to your favorite Swamp Dweller scary stories, you can download them absolutely free from Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher Radio, and just about anywhere else you find your favorite podcast online. If you would like to support the Swamp outside of hitting that like button, subscribing, and giving us a 5-star rating on Apple Podcast, maybe check out the merch store. I've got t-shirts, hoodies, face mask, and more. I'd love to see you guys wearing some cool swamp threads. I'd love to know in the comments down below what story was your favorite tonight. It's always so hard to pick one, but I'd have to say number two is my favorite this time. Don't forget to join me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and I'll see you all soon with another creepy video.